Hello and welcome to the Celestial Podcast, the Doctor Who podcast hosted by Joey Morgan. Today I am here with Brian Corrigan, a.k.a. Briarheart02. Yeet. And Jacob Licklider. Hello. And we were supposed to have someone else here, but he's 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 kind of stupid. Um. Anyway, fucking so. Dylan, fucking <laughs> Dylan. I wasn't I, gonna name no, him, no, you no, bitch. No, no, no. I'm okay with calling his ass out because I've done it multiple times on my own stuff. Brian fucking is very Dylan. salty tonight. I but am. Is it, but so is it? But is it anywhere close to me calling out Kieran in like every single commentary? <laughs> Okay, I didn't watch your Horns of Nyman commentary except the first five minutes where you flat out insulted my yes, opinion. Yes, yes, it was it was for it was all made to spite you, Jacob. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, before we get into this, I do want to say, of course, um, this is going to be the second video coming out in a three day string of uploads that I'm doing because I fell really far behind on my recordings this summer uh, because of real life work stuff that I had to work out. So like I said, I fell really far behind on recording. So I'm uploading three days in a row here. Yesterday you had the first half of that, uh, half of that uh, countdown that I did today. You're having this. And then tomorrow you're having my next MCU review. So I feel I should release a, a sort of official statement as well. I'm, I apologize for not being on the horns of Nymon. Commentary of family issue got in the way of that. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. And we all respect yes. that, of course. So, um, yeah, just wanted to get that out of the way, though, because, uh, like I said, th- there was a lot to catch up on here. But beyond this week, uh, beyond Saturday, after I get that MCU review out, we will be back on a normal upload schedule. That is two videos a week for the rest of the year. Uh, we have some really cool stuff planned for September, so I hope you guys stick around for that. Um, we have a completely packed schedule. I don't even have time to do any extra videos that I want to do. Um, it's going to be a really fun month. I mean, all the videos you're doing, you want to do. You just well, don't have any extras that you want. You can't yeah, valuable, exactly. But... Exactly. So, um, today we're talking about the Big Finish main range, numbers 11 through 15. This is the Apocalypse Element, the Fires of Vulcan, the Shadow of the Scourge, the Holy Terror, and the Mutant Phase. Mm-hmm. Um, the unfortunate thing about not having a third guest on today is that we have already talked about our first story today in another video. But, I mean, hey, I don't remember anything we said in that video, so... Um, I, I remember maybe... what I said, and it's pretty much going to be a rehash. Basically, I well, like ha- it... Well, I, well, hang on, well, I haven't even said anything else yet, Brian. <laughs> uh, okay. um, Horses, but, hold them, please. But, like I said, uh, like I don't know if we'll tread on the same water, who knows? Um, but it'll only be for one story, at least. We, we did get pretty lucky with that. So um, let's jump right into our first story today, The Apocalypse Element by Stephen Cole. I guess Brian is eager to start, so go ahead. All right. So I really, really, really like this story. I think it has a lot going for it. Change of scenery, basically every part helps it a lot. Sort of a Keys of Marinus feel, and that's one of my favorite Hartnells. So, you know, I, I just... I just like that. It has that aspect of adventure in it. And I also like the uh, the very the very definite thing about it being one of the main catalysts for the Time War. That helps a lot. And uh, yeah, I think it's just cool to see Time Lords and Daleks really brawling it out before the Time War was even con- a concept in Russell T. Davies' minds. Ob- ob- eh. Obviously, it was a... Uh, and I, 
idea that was sort of germinating around that time, that the Time Lords and Daleks were not going to be especially friendly towards one another, but I, I just think it's really cool to see the evolution of that idea uh, sort of almost come into its own through this story. But what's interesting here is that it's it's more set up not so much as a time war uh uh, prologue and more is uh, them playing on the ideas of the EDAs because because uh, correct me if I'm wrong of course weren't the EDAs building up to a similar yeah, idea I, of the time I was, war was, I just quickly googled it because I was thinking now um, this is, was published two months after no uh, the month after Stephen Coles and Peter Engelhedes the ancestor cell which was uh, a big, don't spoil anything I'm taking which, well, I mean, a, I mean don't, yeah don't say too much I've not read it but I know that that's a big Gallifrey that's like a big arc shifting thing that like completes the arc with the character compassion so so does I've the apocalypse element it. tie into that like does this I don't know um I know they were I know the BBC was trying to build to a big Dalek time board war at one point and like in, that's how the Gallifrey Chronicles were supposed to be so the idea has always been in the back of their mind so it's, it could very easily do it I know that Etra Prime ha- was mentioned in the BBC books a couple of times. Okay. Um, also, something funny about the apocalypse element and mutant phase, which is in here, that I guess I'll point out now, is they, they all are not building up to a Time Lord Dalek fight, even though the Time Lords are implied to be heavily involved with the Dalek Empire stuff here, but that doesn't happen. Instead, we just get Daleks in the spin-off series Dalek Empire, which is sort of a big fucking long-ass sequel to all the all four loosely connected Dalek stories. And yeah, it's a mostly I, great it's, sequel. It's something, it's something I've always been confused about, because I've only ever listened to each of the four Dalek Empire stories in the main range once, I don't quite get how they all connect. They all connect because they they basically build everything that happens in them is them building up the Dalek Empire for the Dalek Empire spinoff. Like the Daleks are building so, the so, Empire. So they so they so they have absolutely no relation to each other other than in the spinoff itself. Until you get to the spinoff, yeah. Then the spinoff gotcha. sort of okay. makes all the because I've because I have I've not heard any of the spinoff. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I want to point out something funny here. I'm looking at the Big Finish website right now, and there's a little review of it, uh, of the Apocalypse Element, under the uh, uh, under the description uh, from one John Clark's blog spot, it says. Um, it says, quote, We may never get to see, read, or hear how the time war between the Daleks and the Time Lords ultimately played out, but this is about as close as we'll ever get. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if you really want to do a close summary of... The Time War, like, in a nutshell, that is really it. Like you, I That think... quote comes from 2012. Well, so... yeah, ex- exactly. Like, it's like, now we are pretty much, like, over, uh, just oversaturated with Time War content from Big Finish, right. let alone the TV show, which, which you know, right. directly had an episode set in the Time War with Dave the I Doctor. Th- I still think this works really well as a proto-Time War story. It, yeah. it really hits all the notes it needs to hit. I'd also argue it kind of works as a proto Gallifrey spinoff story. It does that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it also, really, I, it really helps establish Van Cell outside of his Sirens of Time appearance, which I is kind of weak. Uh, it gets Romana in the presidency, uh, more stuff, and it just it really we get to see a new side of Gallifrey, which is really cool. 
also this is a story I kind of I, I, I kind of think about a lot now that I've read a uh, Blood Harvest recently that uh, I just think about Romana's timeline how cool like it is like um, her getting out of East Space and Blood Harvest that continuing into into Goth Opera and then uh, her becoming president leading into Apocalypse Element uh, then Z- then Neverland Grace and of course Gallifrey uh, just all the different points she meets across, uh, meets the Doctor across this timeline is kind of interesting to think about um, specifically with this story which she's already met the seventh and fifth Doctors. Um, completely out of order. Also, what I, I think I, I love about this story is uh, throwing Evelyn right into right into a pretty harsh story. This is only her third appearance. Oh yeah, um, this is this is one of those brutal things, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean it's it's not like it's not like jubilee brutal, but I mean like it's it's pretty I mean, rough to, to throw a companion. I mean, you have some really adventure. good body horror here. It's like a, you have people getting their eyes pulled out. Yeah, yeah. It's a telltale sign of what's to come for Evelyn, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, she she just has something like, more. After this point, it just at, like Blood Tide. There's a slight up, but after Blood Tide, it just keeps getting more and more depressing. Until you, I, I think I think Blood Tide's pretty kind of depressing. I don't know. Right, but at least all the people you really care about get out of it alive because they have to because charles darwin is really important to history but after that it sort of just sinks into misery for a while like nothing good comes out of the shit that happens or at least nothing good for evelyn all culminating in the masterpiece that is the sandman i hate you (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so um Anything else to add on this story? Anything, um, anything, any other big points we want to bring up? I, I'd say it, um, this is also the first time Big Finish really uses the Daleks to a decent effect, because I like Genocide Machine. I, I fucking hate Genocide Machine. I despise I... it with a burning passion. I like but Genocide I, Machine a lot. I, I would dare say that Genocide Machine is the best of the four main range Dalek Empire stories. Um, no, no, it's it's... Clearly, Apocalypse Ellen. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I like Apocalypse Ellen. I think, I think it's great, but it's, it's a, actually, expanding kind of on Brian's point early on, it, it is a bit all over, all over the place. Like, and you brought up Keys of Marinus as a reference point. Keys of Marinus being all over the place works because it's a really fun story. But when you're I taking a story, it. when you're taking a story as serious as the Apocalypse Element and making it so all over the place, it, I, it kind of works more it, as a detriment. I think it works because it gives it that fucking universal scale it needs. Because we're unlike Marinus, we're not tied to one planet. We go from one planet to Gallifrey, and then we see how Gallifrey has been basically put in lockdown by this situation. I think it raises the stakes. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, um... Uh, scores for the apocalypse element out of ten. Jacob, an eight. Eight, Brian. Um, I'm I'm not quite kind enough to give it a nine, so I'll give it an eight point five. I give it a seven. So, uh, let's move on to the fires of Vulcan by the wonderful Steve Lyons, who segue into the novel adaptations advertisement now. Steve Lyons also wrote the wonderful novel Doctor Who: Time of Your Life, a Six Doctor adventure, which I will... star in the adaptation of it. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I and I wrote the thing. 
that will be coming out this November. Sneak peek coming out next month. Trailer coming out in uh, October and uh, story release in November, which and is by just... next month you mean September. Yeah, oh yeah, I said yeah. This is gonna come out like on Friday. So oh we're... okay. So uh, sorry, I thought this was coming out in September. I'm like yeah, no, 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 no. My my three day upload schedule starts tomorrow from the time of recording this. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I told you I I fell so far behind on recording this uh recording over the summer. I just I I just got destroyed uh, these past couple months and it all just kind of culminated here. So anyway. Uh, Fires of Vulcan by Steve Lyons. Uh, who would like to begin? Any opening thoughts? Jacob, you can go. No, no, because I want to go on the next one. Well, no, you're starting, Jacob. Go. Fine, fine, I'm starting. <laughs> um, uh, the Fires of Vulcan is infinitely better than The Fires of Pompeii, though The Fires of Pompeii is a good story. The Fires of Vulcan is the first story to redeem Mel Bush. I'm going to be honest. Mel here is great with Seven. And the Seventh Doctor... McCoy gives one of his best performances mainly because this is a really good story where it's like, I have one, it's before he's becomes known as the master manipulator. Um, you almost get the sense that he's trying, he, cause you have the whole subtext of he's trying to avoid his fate with Mel. Uh, the idea is that like in fires of Vulcan, he, he does not know how to solve this. He is convinced that he and Mel are going to die. Now, the solution at the end is kind of obvious, but it's still great. Like, one, also, it's a pure historical, like, which is just amazing. You, you have um, you know, Mel gets to talk with a bunch of people who are Romans. Um, the Doctor gets to do a bunch of stuff. It's a lot of fun. But at the same time, pretty dark, too, and it's just general subject matter. Oh, yeah, no, it's um, dark. It's dark. Everyone in the cast essentially dies. Well, in the main cast. Except, of course, the Doctor and Mal, because, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but I do agree with that. That is one thing I find really, really interesting about this, in that I knew going into it the first time I listened to it that it was a pretty dark story and, and, and focused pretty heavily on... McCoy's transition into the master manipulator, uh, 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 leading into Dragonfire more so. But I was surprised at how fun it was, uh, specifically uh, with uh, with Mel's aspect of the story. She, she does a lot of fun things, just kind of roaming around Pompeii, and um, and I like that a lot. Well, shit, I'm gonna have to be that guy, aren't Everyone, I? cancel Briar Hardo to unsubscribe from this channel. All right. So far as a Vulcan, I feel like this is a very important an anecdote to insert here. I listened to the Apocalypse Element, Fires of Vulcan, and Shadow of the Scourge all in one day on a road trip down to Florida. So, you know, that, w that was a fun memory, but I remember Fires of Vulcan as being the weakest out of those three. And I, I remember on initial listen, I didn't particularly like it that much um on second listen i did like it a bit more what changed your opinion on it i can't remember exactly what either i ended up paying more attention the second time around and therefore liked it better or you know i guess something yeah, something I didn't pick up on the first time, I picked up on the second time, and 
Got it. I mean, the story moves quick enough. Don't get me wrong. It's not, like, slow or anything. It's just... <sighs> I don't know. There's... There's, it doesn't quite captivate my attention like Shadow of the Scourge and Apocalypse Element do, and I, it just, I don't know. I, I'm i am a little bored by it. It's alright, like, don't get me wrong. I, I think it's a, a decent story. It's just, if I had to pick it, I, I, w- I would pick most things over it. Let's just say that. For me, at least, I'm I'm really dragged by the main cast. I I do agree in one aspect, um, in that I don't think the supporting cast is all that gripping. Uh, I mean, you get to know the characters well enough, but I, and 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 the actors are fine. Um, just the characters I'm not terribly attached to, but I think a lot of that is made up for uh, in the uh, in the main I mean, beats. Uh... In the main beats that the Doctor and Mel have to hit in the story, and the fact that it's easily one of the best performances for both McCoy and Bonnie Langford. It just adds to that immensely. I, I will give it that. McCoy is really fucking good in this story, but other than that... Eh, Mel's Mel. I, I My opinion never really changes on Mel, no matter what story she's in. I don't she know. Always... I've, I've, I've always held up Bonnie Langford's a really strong performer and was really only let down by scripts on, on TV. I, I think it's just a character thing. I don't like Mel at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. I think she's kind of charming. Uh, I don't know. I, I've always been one of those weird people that, that likes Mel for some reason. Mostly, I mean, you know, I find, like I said, like, I find a lot of a lot of people charming. say Big Finish Fixer, and honestly, my my problem with Mel must run deeper than just the screaming and season twenty four being one of the worst seasons of Doctor Who. I mean, so, hey, it's not as bad as season eighteen. That's not true. Indeed. Hey, can we not? Can we, um, um, guys, can we not please get into one of these arguments? Either. I don't know. I'm kind of feeling it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> okay, but fair enough. A topic for another day. Um, but yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah. I'm I'm just not a Mel fan. Sorry. Jacob, any thoughts on Mel in particular? Just like any. Um, I kind of actually ad- agree with. Joey, um, I I think Mel is um, Bonnie Langford. Outside of the crap material, especially and especially now that she's older, is has matured as a performer. Like on the TV show, I I don't hate her as much as some people do. Um, at least in season twenty three and season twenty four. Um, well, you mean I her think... only two seasons. <laughs> I'm yeah, not, I know. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> You're like, I don't hate her as much, you know, at least in season 23 and 24. No, 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 you guys are getting it wrong. I'm not slighting her performance. Her performance is fine. I think she does well with what she's been given. It's, it's, uh, there's some flaw in the characterization that I can't get past. I don't know. I think Mel always shines specifically in the ultimate foe and uh, Paradise Towers. But outside of that, she's and she she tries, she tries. But uh, no. Oh, and also she has she has an amazing rapport with Sophie Aldred in, in Dragonfire. Yeah, Bonnie Bonnie Langford, phenomenal actress. She's oh no, so, oh sorry. Specifically, there I was I was more talking about the writing of Mel. I, I think I think there's something really, really. I know. I just don't, I just don't want people to get it wrong. Bonnie Langford isn't the issue. It's the Right, it's the, her character, like the character, not Bonnie Langford, that I have a problem with. 
Yeah, I respectfully disagree. So anything else to add on the fires of Vulcan? Um, Doesn't sound like it. All right, ratings out of 10 for the fires of Vulcan, Brian. I'm feeling nice. Six. Fuck you, Jacob. 9.5. Solid. Uh, I give it a 8, 8.5 personally. Yeah, I, I uh, really like this one. Um, oh, yeah. It's I, it's nine times out of ten, you, there are certain names you slap on a Doctor Who script, and I'm like, all right, there gets three points to the score because it's just. You know, well, you're like, in for I, a mean, great I time. mean, I mean, there's Blood of the Daleks, which I'm not a huge fan of. What you... about Blood of the Cybermen? Eh... No. Anyway, um, watch. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't even get that. What the fuck, Brian? What's, what's, a, what's the Blood of the Cybermen? Blood of the Cybermen is one of those free adventure games that the BBC did during Series 5, I think. Ooh, that sounds awful. <laughs> I, I played it when I was younger. Was, they, you know, they're not hard games, but they're they're pretty fun. Oh, that that sounds like a, like. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I look them up. Look them up. You know what? Shout shouts out to anybody who remembers those games. Those. Wah. Gotcha. Stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, let's move on to the Shadow of the Scourge by God Cornell. I'm assuming Jacob wants to begin. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> this was the first story I experienced with Bernie Summerfield in it. Oh, cool. Oh. Mine, too. Yeah, no. And immediately I fell in love with Bernice. Shit, what was my first Benny story? My first Benny story was either the Love and War Big Finish adaptation or it was Company of Friends. I can't remember which came first. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Go on. No, but this one... One, it feels like a new adventure from that sort of era. Um, oh, definitely. definitely. Um, but it also just does a lot of fun stuff. Um, it's a, a little repetitive. Cornell does kind of reuse an idea here or there from Time Worm Revelation. Um, but it's it's a nice sort of reflection on the VNAs from Cornell, because this is obviously written... Um, this was obviously written post-Dying Days. Um also, it's this good stuff where... Uh, J- J- Jacob, every, every big finish was written post-Dying Days. I know. <laughs> uh, Come yeah. on. Okay. Um, but, um, but, yeah, the... What a nerd. Can't even remember that it was written after Dying Days. What a, what a nerd, bro. Um, no, but what I was saying is, it's, it's, it's a reflection. It also, it really sort of shows the strength of the companions during the VNAs, because instead of sort of being the less, let's reflect on the Doctor as the master manipulator. Yeah, the Doctor's being master manipulator, but for most of the story, he's kind of out of commission. He's been taken over by an alien, and it's gone wrong. Which, when looking at the VNAs, the Doctor being in a position of things going wrong was rarely done this well. Like, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, All right. All right. My go. So basically, I love the Weirin, right? The Weirin are a really cool concept. What the fuck are you doing? This is going somewhere. Stay with me. What the fuck are you doing? 
Okay, Joey, Joey. You're like, okay, I know we're talking about Shadow of the Scourge, but how about that arc in space, though? <laughs> it's going somewhere! I promise! Okay, okay, fine. Alright, so basically, <laughs> I love the Weirins, right? And the Weirin are one of my favorite classic Doctor Who monsters, despite the fact that they look really shit on TV. But I like the concept of them. And so... You know, if you can somehow manage to do an insectoid alien species and then also make it more awesome than the Weirin, I am going to be mad crazy in love with your story. And Paul Cornell manages to do that and introduced one of the best expanded universe characters to an audience that may not have had experience with her before. So, well, I feel uh, like... I mean, I feel like that's true nowadays, introducing Benny to people who may not have heard of her before in Shadow, but at the same time, I feel like most people who were listening to Big Finish at the time knew who Benny was, because the only thing Big Finish had produced up until the main range was Benny Audios. And I know they promoted the hell of her of doing, this is the first story Big Finish has produced with where Lisa Bowerman gets to perform with Sylvester McCoy. That's true. That's Fucking fine, Jacob. Ruin me. But I'm yeah, not trying to ruin you. You're, you're that, great, that's Brian. That's how I was introduced to Benny, so that's fun. And basically, we're in but better, so what's not to love, you know? Yeah, and, and also you get some pretty uh, cool high-concept uh, uh, storytelling uh, with the Doctor's storyline, at least. I, I... The fact that it takes place in a convention center, which I imagine to be a hotel, is really fun, too, because as I said, I was basically listening to this one as I was pulling into the hotel that I was staying in in Florida. So well, the convention center in the description, it's it's a hotel. This is exactly so it's awesome because I was going to an unfamiliar hotel that was a really nice hotel, by the way. Guys, you heard it here first, Brian. Brian Hardo too. You got you guys heard it here first. Brian uh, Brian Corgan has a hotel fetish. I do. Stan him about that on Twitter. I rub my dick all over the walls every time I walk into it. Oh, okay! <laughs> it's not creepy, I promise. Okay, okay, okay. It's just... Yeah, Brian just... I'm not, I'm not I, really, I really like hotels, guys. <laughs> oh, fuck my life. Um. Also, can we just talk about how shit the cover of this story is? Oh, yeah, no. Uh, like, oh. Oh fuck! That just hurts every time I look at it. They're they're trying, but oh, it just it looks. I need it's to... so obviously from the year two thousand. I need to look at it real quick because I forget how bad it actually is. Do you uh? Did you guys see not too long ago? Or I guess it was like a couple months ago. Clayton Hickman just straight up uh, like somebody was like doing a retrospective on Shadow of the Scourge, and Clayton Hickman shared it shared it on his Twitter, and he goes, "I'm just so so sorry." It's... So what have we got here? We've got two ants. That's nice. We've got the Tom Baker intro with lightning in it for some reason. Sylvester McCoy, who is clearly... Who is poorly photoshopped onto that suit. <laughs> it's not even photoshopped. Because it's I don't almost like they were trying to color over his regular we've, clothes. We've, <laughs> we've got... Well, his hair doesn't really fit with the background either. You've got Lisa Bowerman, who's also been poorly photoshopped in there. I know the picture that's from. 
and uh, what Sophie Aldred from one of the Microbe films, I think. No, I think that's that's her from that VNA photo shoot. Yeah, they actually just straight up put her in the VNA outfit and shot Sophie Aldred in it. That's all it was. Actually, I think she's the only one who out looks of good context, on I think, she, I think she's the only one who looks good on that cover because she's the only one that like actually looks like she, looks like Ace would have at the time where the story takes place in the VNAs. Oh, yeah, because it takes place. It's supposed also, to take place like right after All Consuming Fire, isn't can it? We, can yeah. we just mention how bad of a choice it was to have the uh, words cover up the scourge on the cover? That that looks terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's just... I mean, what would you do? Have have the Scourge cover the words? I, I do like how this one Scourge does have a human arm, though. That that actually blends well somehow, but the rest that's of... Kinda, oh, I never noticed that before. Oh, yeah, shit. It's... The rest yeah. of it... Yeah. The cover is crap, but the story is great. Yeah. It's also it's also got some nice commentary on, on psychics. Wait, like, what? <laughs> Oh yeah, it does have. Yeah, that. remember? Because you have. I, mean, many, I like... mean, yeah, but like, I wouldn't call it commentary. I think it's saying. I think it's saying something really important about psychics, guys. How, how dumb they are! And <laughs> I, 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 I just love. I, I just love Benny's scene where she's like talking with the group was... of psychics. Like it's like yes, contact these these, these two the, my two lost souls. They are turtles. You know what? Speaking <laughs> speaking of that scene where people sit in a circle and say um i was i was really sad like i was moffat style disappointed that there was not a cheeky reference to planet of the spiders in there fuck you okay um can we start up a how many times i say fuck you to brian throughout this podcast in the comments yeah, start, no, no, start, no. start up a counter you need to start a counter for every time you've said it <laughs> period it's full stop because you say it a lot. You say it in every video we do together, and you say it the exact same way. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So rings out of ten for the Shadow of the Scourge, Jacob. Ten out of ten. Brian. Eight. I give it a nine. Uh, not. I would say all over the board, but we all were pretty positive towards <laughs> it. So. I I think this is the first one out of these so far that we've uh, we've generally agreed on and yeah. uh, this one I, this one this next one i think will be absolutely unanimous on we have the holy terror by another oh! got a big finish oh! by robert brian, brian brian this is a this is a family christian channel fuck you <laughs> <laughs> see see when he says it to me brian he says it in a, with a very almost laughing but what he says to you, it's just disappointing. Jacob, Jacob, it doesn't mean I like you any more than Brian. Don't think you're special, bitch. <laughs> the Holy Terror. Started, bitch. Yo, so the Holy Terror was obviously the first Rob Schumann. Hey, Brian, 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 could you speak up a bit? I think I may have shot my mic. Hold on a second. <laughs> 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 okay, let's 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 try this again, shall we? All right, so <laughs> the Holy Terror is the first Rob Sherman story. I it's probably not. I probably heard Chimes of Midnight first. 
but it's the first one I remember listening to. And I was like, oh, this is going to be shit. I was like, I hadn't seen anything about Frobisher at the time other than, like, this one-off documentary that happened to feature Sixth Doctor comics in it. I was like, oh, that sounds really stupid. And uh, to my surprise, Frobisher worked. Robert Jezik is really good at voicing him, and Rob Shearman proved me wrong, because I read the synopsis to this, and I was like, there is no way in hell. But actually, it's really fun, and really dark, and really funny, and it has a badass music score from my boy Russell Stone, so I love it. God damn it, Brian. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring up fucking Russell Stone at some point in this video. <laughs> Russell Stone is my god. Shut up. <laughs> Any anything anything he does music for except for the Sandman and Dreamtime is just elevated that much more. Brian, why are you prejudiced against the Galliari? Why the fuck do you think? <laughs> they turn <laughs> they turn different colors, Joey. But Brian, clearly the Galliari are the most important monster in the history of the Doctor Who universe. Why of course they are. Yeah, I mean, come on, fucking... How, how many other monsters have had such a lasting impact on the series? Can I... Can, wait a minute, is there a novel with the Galliari in them? No, but there's no. a third audio. There is. I, that I was hoping there was a novel so I could voice the Galliari at some like, point. Like, like, really, I mean, I was surprised that amongst all the aliens that River Song named at, uh, at Stonehenge when she talk, uh, in the Pandora opened, I was surprised the Galliari weren't a part of that list of aliens <laughs> circling in the sky. <laughs> they, didn't they, like, not mention any big finish there? Wait, <laughs> they mentioned the Chelonians. They did, didn't Oh, there is a, there is a short story. Starring that's a Bernie Summerfield story. This is also featuring the Galliari. Well, that's, that's <laughs> fucking no, Galliari. That's anyway, all right, fuck. No, no, no. <laughs> I have something else to say about the Galliari. <laughs> no, we can't keep no, talking about I the have Joey, Joey, Joey. You, this is a new section of the video. It's Brian discusses the Galliari for like a, <laughs> five minutes. Look, See Brian, I think what we need to do now is we need to make a a, a video on type. See Brian, but... I can overpower you at any point in this because your mic is fucked now. So, <laughs> but here's the, why the Galliari suck, other than the writer who writes them is terrible. Basically, so you try to do this whole let's make the Doctor evil thing, and it doesn't work. And uh, so that's the only original idea you had. And you have to throw that out the window because of how you ended it. So now you take the uh, archetype of the Ice Warriors, and you're like, oh, okay, honorable warrior race, which can be good or bad in some situations. And then you write a sequel to The Sandman, which is the worst fucking idea you could have ever had. And you put the Galliari... Two sequels. And, and they're, they're, uh, they're basically doing the Ice Warrior thing where we hate the Doctor, but sometimes we're good. And it's like, it doesn't work at all. You just And let us never forget that in Afterlife, McCoy, among all of his names that he says, like he's like the oncoming storm and all that bullshit, he says the Sandman is one of his big threatening titles. <laughs> anyway, fuck with this tangent, please. I okay. want to talk about Sherman. <laughs> Fine, fucking talk about Sherman. Okay, 
You, you this... know why Shearman's good? You know why Shearman's good? He didn't write for the Galliari. End of fucking story. Let's move see, on. But if, to Sherman, but if Sherman, see, but if Sherman did write for the Galliari, they would right, be a, they would be a master. Robert Sherman and telling him how much do I have to pay you to write for the Galliari? <laughs> we have me and my friends have a bet to see how good your Galliari story would be. It would be amazing. All right, no, no, but the Holy Terror. So, um, I love how much this kind of just sort of criticizes both monarchy and, like, just religious texts and sort of just, like, the process of myth becoming myth in in microcosm, if that makes sense. Because, um... Did I die? You died for, like, five seconds. Yeah, you're good now. So, yeah, the, the process of myth becoming myth in, like, microcosm, uh, mainly, because this is, one, this is, a rough, this is a rough story to listen to. It's, this isn't, this, it starts out as a comedy and slowly becomes a, a very dark story, watching, essentially, one man go insane and have to, uh, Basically, Murder his son over and over again. Basically contend with um, with his, the sins of his past. It's, he's sort of just trapped in his own personal hell. Um, uh, and it's it's a story that has a shape-shifting Detective Penguin as a character, yet you still take everything the shape-shifting Detective Penguin character says seriously. That, because why not? Also, I mean, like, it's, I, also this this was my first. Uh, I think it was most people. This is a bit more of a fair statement than saying Shadow was a first Benny experience for most people. This this I, this was definitely most people's first experience with Frobisher, and um, and it kind of ex- it kind of takes on the, the full spectrum of emotions for him as a character. Um, even from the beginning, you know, Frobisher he's funny, but at the same time you see that he is very critical of the doctor and not in like a, Hey, you're kind of a dick doctor, like funny kind of way. Like he, he really means it when he says, Hey, you're kind of a dick doctor. Um, and so it explores their, their relationship uh, uh, on a very wide spectrum. And you could tell that Rob Sherman really understands this character and uh, oh, it makes him so appealing to most audiences. But there's also just something amazing about the opening and f- closing scenes with the doctor and Frobisher where you just, they echo each other. So, uh, so well that you just you get you feel sort of um, it, it leaves it, you feeling empty inside because Frobisher has just gone through hell and back all to learn this lesson that at the end of the day is partially at the end of the day kind God's of depressing. A God's a dick is is kind of the big message. Yeah. Yeah, the ending leaves you feeling empty inside. I love um, things like that. Yeah. Um, the, this is a, also a very personal story for me. It's it's one of my fa- it's it's one of my favorites. Um, wait, do, do, wait, hey, Brian. I, I heard Jacob say that this is a very personal story for him. I think we we can confirm now that that Jacob is a shape shifting penguin. <laughs> That's not why I coughed. I coughed because I actually had to cough. Why do you think I never show my face? But we all know what your Cyclops face looks like, Jacob. <gasps> the glass eye is the, is, is the shape-shifting penguin. <gasps> oh, that's it! It all makes fucking sense now! 
<laughs> what in the fuck? <laughs> Joey. Joey. Oh, I'm oh. gonna ask you this question. And I want you to answer me truthfully. Are you high right now? And Brian, I don't need to be high to be this fucking insane. Okay. That's all I How... want to know. Anyway. Um... So yeah, uh, I know there's a lot of ground we haven't covered with the Holy Terror, but I, I, I feel like it's I there's feel like also, it's a, there's there's I'm also sorry. like tropes of like sort of like um like sort of just like almost like chivalry tropes that are parodied here. There's a lot of stuff going on. Like we could go on for hours probably analyzing this one story. Like it's. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like I was, what I was about to say there was that I feel like the Holy Terror is just generally a story that, as long as you've heard it, you completely understand where any sort of broad discussion of it comes from. And really, I mean, it's a story that you should really listen to for yourself and and, and really just take in as it is. It's a wonderful story. Also, I wanna I wanna say this because um, you know, I I've read a few of. Rob Shearman's short stories. I've read all of Tiny Deaths and about half of Love Songs for the Shy and Cynical. This this Doctor Who story, The Holy Terror, is probably the one that feels most like one of Rob Shearman's original stories. Like, if you're going to choose a Doctor Who story by Rob Shearman, that feels like most of Rob Shearman's, you know, literary I respectfully disagree with that. I would say Sharzo comes closer to to feeling like more of Sherman's general work. Nah. Yeah, but he hates Sharzo for some reason. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. Um, well, I don't think he hates it. He just, you know, he doesn't think Also, it's... can we just say how depressing it is that this didn't do well when it first came out? So now we don't have Frobisher as a regular in the main range? F. Also, is... also, much like Shadow of the Scourge, this one has a really fucking shitty cover. I mean, we're kind of just in the era of the really fucking shitty covers. Well, the Mutant Face cover isn't bad. The, yeah, mutant, the mutant Face mutant cover is the incredibly cover But simple. weirdly enough, the Mutant Face is the worst story of the five we're talking about today. Uh, I... Brian, I swear to Christ. Mr. Corrigan, Mr. Corrigan, paging. No, I disagree. Oh God! All right, so let's wrap this shit up. Brian, you're rating out of ten for Holy Terror. Oh, ten. Obviously, it has to. Uh, I agree. Ten, Jacob. Uh, zero out of it. No, it's a fucking ten. This is a, this... <laughs> it's amazing. I actually really like the way that shit that you Imagine seeing the one Chad who gives the Holy Terror a zero out of ten. <laughs> anyway, um, alright, let's move on to the fucking mutant phase by Nicholas fucking Briggs. <laughs> this fucking story. This it's... one was based off of an audiovisuals play. It's it so kind of shows. boring. I it's like this one. so boring. No, I like this one. 
It's so boring. I don't hate this one. I like the time travel it's plan. So boring. Um, Joey, the, Joey, do you need to be Dalek... called one of the followers of Simon Boucher Jones at you? You, you are obviously uh, not understanding the, the the depth and complexity of the mutant face. Wait, wait, wait. Do, do, do Simon Butcher Jones fans like the mutant face? I don't know. Oh. No. They, they probably fucking do. They like the death of art. I just, <laughs> I just have a lot of fun with the mutant face, is all. I, th- I think it's... But... <laughs> okay. I like I'm the time travel plot. Uh, controversial. This is, this is a the bit con- annoying, time travel plot is great. Apparently, there's a version of this story that lasts one hour. That was a freebie. If only! <laughs> if fucking only this story was only an hour, so it wouldn't waste any more of my time than it does. Well, I know there's the original audio visual... There's an visual. exposition dump in here that technically makes Terra Firma part five to that Dalek Empire arc. Uh, so, okay. Uh, Be- beyond the script being boring as sin. It's not boring. Davison and Sarah Sutton just give some of the worst fucking performances I've heard from any big Finnish actors ever. It's also like they tried to build this up as Nissa meets the Daleks, and that is incredibly underwhelming. Yeah, it is. Oh my god. Oh, I never even realized that. This is the first time she meets the Daleks, and it's just nothing. Chronologically, chronologically, it's it's the first time the Fifth Doctor meets the Daleks, and it's like, fucking what? Also, there's just, there's, um, the, all the good ideas here of, like, going to, um, Earth during the Dalek invasion and not having to mess up with history, it gets done better in, like, much later in the main range with Masters of Earth. Yeah. Like, the idea of, like, the mutation is really good. It's a solid idea. It just is like it just it take this story is a story that doesn't need two hours to be told. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just it just. I will give it that. It it does. The, the, the base idea the base idea can work as a shorter story, which is why I would love to hear that one hour version because it just wastes your time for oh, for two hours. I just don't see the reason for it being as well, long. Well, I know as it that is. the audio and visual, and, the audio and visuals just, version is only an hour and a half. It cuts out a whole thirty minutes. Good. Well, there's <laughs> and, probably and the like, Dalek and Empire. Also, like yeah. I don't know what I don't know what makes Davison and Sutton just so not into the script, but you could tell they're not into the script. It's just. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it was just because they together they had didn't the only good script they had was Winter for the Adept up to this point the only really solid script. Yeah, I guess that would kind of wear you down if you'd done so many shitty ones in a row, and then the next one they were in together was Primeval, which is great. If only they just waited a bit longer. If they bumped Primeval before Mutant Phase, you know. I, I don't think Lance Parkin had it written by that point, but. No, it only came out like what little, little less than a year later. Yeah, less than a year. Um, later. Oh yeah, about a little less. Yeah, so. So you pre- so maybe Lance Parkin had the idea. I don't know. Anyway, oh, uh, yeah. I, I I like this one. Uh, okay, okay. Without me screaming and ranting, how boring it is over you. Can, can you give like some legit reasons as to why you like it? Well. 
I I will give you this. I don't like Sarah Sutton in it. I think her performance is weak and she isn't written well. But I like the time travel plot. I thought that was well executed. I like I like the actual mutation stuff as well. That's really cool. Um, it's an, it, it is enough to keep me entertained, so that's fun. And, uh, well, <sighs> I didn't, yeah, it, I know what's going to come when I say this, so that's why, that's why I'm sort of hesitating. Oh, by all means, bitch. Uh, sets up terra firma for later on. So. Fuck you. <laughs> I, I'd argue part of the problem I, is I it's, also, it's I also, being adapted I from like... a different story that I've heard that, like, the original audiovisuals version but also, doesn't like, even take place on Earth. I feel like there's a scale to it that it's not quite the same as Apocalypse Element, but the fact that it takes place over the course of, like, three different positions in time gives it uh, a bigger scale as well. I don't know. I, I like it. So, it's enough to keep me entertained for two hours if it's on a rainy Sunday. Uh, I like it. So I have another question, Brian. As someone who hasn't listened to any Dalek Empire, if I were just to take a wild guess, does it, does Mutant Phase end up being the story that most ties into uh, most ties into the spinoff as a whole? No, I mean some of the da- the like the actual empire stuff with the Dalek Emperor ties in both to Terra Firma and Dalek Empire, but it's actually Genocide Machine Apocalypse Element and Time of the Daleks, yeah. which tie into Dalek Empire more. That's interesting because it feels like not only did Nick Briggs adapt this from an audiovisual story, but also. It feels like he very much took it to uh, took it made the script into something that just kind of fits easily into the dialogue. I mean, it, it, like it, it definitely it definitely fits into it very well. Yeah, definitely because a lot of what Dalek Empire does for at least the humans involved is called back to the Dalek invasion stuff. And, um, and and if Nick and if Nick Brooks's only goal with the story was to make an audiovisual story something that can be led into something bigger then, he, then, then, a, yeah, then yeah there's a shitload of padding in this and i think we all agree that this one just here's, a, here's another thing like i said the dalek emperor stuff is it establishes that the empire has been established at this point like the empire is a stable thing and now it's only a matter of time before they take over in this series dalek empire gotcha so, uh, ratings out of 10 for the mutant phase. I'm going to say a 3. Jacob? Probably around, like, a 5. I'll, Brian? Give it a, I'll give it a 7. You are the worst, Brian. I really hate you right now. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, okay, so I, I guess mean, there's only... Uh, what? <laughs> I like it. I think it's good. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> like you gave it a higher score than the Fires of Vulcan. Yeah. Like, fuck what? <laughs> Whereas I established the fact that I think Fire the Vulcan is just fine. But Mutant Phase isn't a 7? I mean, come on. 
I'd give it a seven. All right, you know, because of this, you're going to be the one who starts our rankings of least favorite to favorite. So, uh, oh, begin. Oh, shit. Now I have to think about what I've said. So, obvious. Am I doing least favorite first? Yeah, least favorite to favorite. All right. So, least favorite, I guess, goes to Fires of Vulcan. Um, right up after that is, that would be fucking mutant phase. Um, after that we have Shadow of the Scourge, Apocalypse Element, and to top it off, Holy Terror. Oh, your Apocalypse Element ranking gives me cancer. Um, so for me, uh, least favorite to favorite, I say mutant phase at the very bottom. Um... Followed up by the Apocalypse Element, the Fires of Vulcan, Shadow of the Scourge, and Holy Terror at the top. Yeah, no, mine's the exact same, Joey, because... Good job. It's So, I think we've all agreed in this uh, podcast to cancel Brian. Um, you agree on that every time. Well, yeah, I mean, because you have the worst opinions of all of us. I mean, we do kind of have that, like, let's cancel Brian Corrigan quite a bit, don't we? Well, yeah, I mean, and I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. Maybe because maybe we're the wrong ones. We're the ones who are wrong. Okay, fine. If you actually like the mutant face, tell me in the comments and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Only because maybe we shouldn't cancel people based on just (laughs) wrong, benign opinions about Doctor Who audio dramas. Okay, but you do realize that, like, I just say the whole cancel shit is a meme, right? Well, yeah. 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 When Jacob takes it too seriously again... (laughs) Let's talk life. about how great Gareth Roberts is, my friend. No! No! <laughs> fine, no. fine, we won't talk about Gareth Roberts. We'll just talk about James Dreyfus. No. I don't even feel safe talking about that. Coming next time on the Celestial Podcast, we'll be talking about the first Dr. David Bradley said. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, uh, but next time we'll be. Oh, yeah, that's just me and Jacob. We're doing Cat's Cradle. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, uh, plug some shit. Plug some shit. Uh, everyone, go subscribe to Jacob Licklider and Brian Corrigan. I'll have them. At this, uh, this point, Nightmare State should no Nightmare. This is coming out Friday. What am I talking about? Yeah, no, got an yeah. coming coming out in early September called The Nightmare State. It's a sixth Doctor audio. It has Perry in it, and it also happens to have a a big talking bird. So, Jelly. Okay, so uh, so I want to talk about this a bit because actually I really like this the, the sneak peek you put up because Zach's Frobisher is fucking amazing. I'd never heard it before. Oh, I'm, holy I'm shit! Back. What's up? Oh, you disappeared? Yeah, there's a suspicious person on campus. So like, I just that was campus security. Gotcha. They were anyway. Th- thanks, thanks for informing the listeners. Um, Oh, Joey's, shit, are we? Joey's in it. We were... Can't remember a damn thing about it, though, other than Frobisher's in it. Dude, you had me record, like, six fucking lines, and they were all cameo bits. <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to remember about it? Um, but no, seriously, I'd, I'd never heard Zach's Frobisher before, and it was absolutely wonderful. Um, he's going to give a great performance. Perry in the story is being played by uh, the novel adaptation's own Avery Clark. She's absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah, I got yeah. her on recommendation from Joey and she's phenomenal i don't have to play perry anymore thank the lord oh 
Can we make him play Perry at least one more time for old? No. <laughs> oh no. Oh. <laughs> Doctor. Uh, shut up! No, this thing that voice is cursed. <laughs> so, so at the time of this coming out, what? So you have the trailer coming on Saturday, right? So this will be the yeah. day after this comes out. So yeah, yeah trailer for Nightmare State coming out tomorrow is the time of this podcast release. That'll be really cool. Go check that out. Nightmare State's going to be really awesome. Brian just hit over three hundred subscribers, so that's really cool. Go celebrate that by giving him, giving him a few extras. Um, uh, you know, if you want to cancel me, unsubscribe. That yeah, do, do that too. But actually, more importantly, do that. Um, uh, everyone go subscribe to Jacob Licklider. He's yes. still doing that insane project called the Do- Ultimate Doctor Who Marathon. And I have someone who's annoyed that I'm not including the uh, like the, the Companion Chronicles and shit. I mean, there are some pretty important Companion Chronicles. Oh, I'm including but... some of the important ones. Some of the later I mean, you ones. included the Mahogany Murders for short trips and sidesteps i think yeah that's what i was i was gonna try to do more of that but then that kind of failed um but no mm-hmm. i will be i will be including a couple of there's like there's a specific uh six doctor short trip that i'm including uh for sure oh it's beyond the ultimate adventure right oh make that two six doctor short trips that i'm including <laughs> for that's sure. a companion chronicle though oh companion chronicle. oh, the, oh. Sure, i'm doing some eighth doctor short trips Hey, my boy McGann. You, you know which ones they are. Part on both. Oh, at the Time War ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I'm doing um the one for the Jamie trilogy. I'm not doing the one for the Key to Time trilogy because. No, you will do the Prisoner's Dilemma because it's really important. What have you brought upon this cursed land? Um, but as of right now, as of you're seeing this, I sh- I'm about halfway through, when you should be seeing this, I'm about halfway through season five of the fourth Doctor Adventures. Because um, when is this coming out? This What's is coming out Friday, Jacob. The, Friday. This is basically, count yeah, so pretty I, much wherever you're at now, just say that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I will basically probably have had like Paradox Planet out, possibly Legacy of Death, I don't know. Um, but we should be out of the fourth Doctor by November. Ooh, what a fucking nerd and uh, of course all right I mean, as always my name is brian shut Clark. up brian this <laughs> is my video i gotta still, just do that annoying shut, thing that jacob always plug does i still have to plug novel adaptation shit um uh, like i already said we have time of your life coming up in november um we got some really cool stuff coming next month because as you may notice as you may remember i said in my 100 subscriber video there will be a rebrand coming to this channel that'll be coming next month mm-hmm. uh, for it. It's really cool. Brian has already seen the logo for it. It's uh, made by the wonderful so E3 Productions. Monoid walks up to another game, Monoid. Okay. Um, anyway, but yeah, that's coming next month. That should be early to mid next month, I believe. I haven't fully finished the schedule for next month yet. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that's definitely coming next month. That's going to be really fun. I hope you guys like it a lot. I'm um, going to give a hopefully more professional brand to the channel um, rather than just me. So that'll be great. Uh, look forward to that. What else? What else? What else? Um, more commentaries coming. More Celestial Podcasts coming. Look forward to that, of course. And uh, oh, and don't forget to look out in October because we'll be doing another Halloween Spooktacular like we did last year. Um, Maybe I'll be- make it on this time. You better. Um, so yeah, so thank you all so much for watching. Thank you, all, thank you guys both for coming on. You're both terrible. And uh, I guess until hey. next time, this has been Joe Morgan. Goodbye! <laughs>